Hello, this is Reverend Mary Ellen Swartz. I'm an ordained unity minister. And this is part three of a sharing that is based on the book, The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin. This is a classic book for uh, anyone really who wants to begin to get a handle on um, how to change their lives, to feel empowered, and to actually see the manifestation of that power, the showing forth of that power in changing their lives. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, you can't change the beginning, but you can start now to change the ending. And that's really what the Game of Life uh, book is about. So the underlying theme of um, the book, The Game of Life and How to Play It, is that um, life is a game, and like other games, uh, knowing the rules are important in order to be able to win. So there are rules and principles in life, and um, we only, when we're playing the game, we're only competing with ourselves not with anyone else. So in the first uh, section, we talked about how the game of life is really a game of boomerangs. Uh, giving and receiving, whatever we send out, we come back. it comes back to us. And so the second uh, series was about prosperity and, and preparing for prosperity and realizing that uh, success is uh, is is something that is certainly available to us and that there is supply for every demand and but we only receive what we can see ourselves receiving you know it's like you can't receive what you don't think you are good enough for or deserving of uh, or even is possible for for someone like you so even though we live in uh, an abundant universe um, we have to realize it and know we deserve it. And um, that that often means that we are going to release some old beliefs to the contrary. There's a uh, story, I'm sure everybody's heard this, but how a, a goldfish, when it's moved from a small fishbowl to a lake, it'll continue to swim in that same small circle. And the reason is because the experience that it's had in the container was to bump its head if it tried to swim further than the than the container. So sometimes we're like that. You know, we we hear about living uh, a better life, and yet we keep our old beliefs. So it's sort of like the goldfish. Our our limitation is set by past experience or past information from someone who didn't know any better. So, uh, what we are finding is important is to question our beliefs, ask ourselves if they're serving us now, and maybe they served us in the past, but are they serving us now? And if not, to make some deliberate choices. Um, in the in the third section here, this the of the series. Uh, we're going to talk about the law of non-resistance. 
The Chinese say that water is the most powerful element because it's perfectly non-resistant. It can wear away a rock and sweep all before it. And really, Jesus taught non-resistance. He taught, resist not evil, but overcome evil with good. And Florence Govelshin said Jesus could say this because he knew in reality there is no evil uh, in a, as a as a a, a, a power co equal to God. So in a sense, there's nothing to resist. So evil, what can be called evil, is what comes from our vain imagination or our belief in two powers, God and some co-equal power. So practicing non-resistance to what might be called evil isn't about becoming a doormat. It's it's not about uh, not having a backbone or not making decisions. It's really about being in a state of consciousness, a state of thinking and feeling and an attitude where we don't get hurt by resisting another's actions. Resistance is hell, uh, Florence Scovel Shen says. Resistance is hell for it places man in a state of torment. A state of torment. I'm sure you've heard the saying, whatever we resist will persist. And so as long as we resist a situation, we keep giving power, we keep giving our power away uh, to it. And, um, and so it just becomes more powerful in a sense. So if we don't want lack or anything else to persist, then we have to find a way to stop resisting it, which means stop giving our power to it. Now, that's the question. How do we do that? How do we stop resisting something? How do we stop giving our power to it? It's, it's as simple and as challenging as this. We stop giving our attention to it and give our attention to something else. This really is what the, the, the statement, turn the other cheek, is about. Turn your direction. Turn your focus. And that's, that's a way of uh, taking the energy away from what we have been resisting. To quote Florence Govelshin, once ships come in over a calm sea. Our ships come in over a calm sea. Our good comes in over a calm sea, a calm attitude. To me, this means our good can't come to us when our consciousness is upset. When we are stressed when we are uh, trying to overthink something. But when we are non-resistant toward our good, it's as if our good runs to meet us. Non-resistance makes us irresistible to our good. Mrs. Shen told of 
her own experience of waiting for an important call and resisting every other call that came in that tied up her phone line. And she said, instead of knowing divine ideas never conflict, the call will come at the right time, and then leaving it for the for the infinite to arrange, she said she began to make the battle hers and to become tense and anxious. And after about an hour, she realized that the phone had somehow gotten off the hook. <laughs> That's odd. And so she immediately began to change the thought that her good could ever be lost. I cannot lose what belongs to me by divine right. I cannot lose what belongs to me by divine right. And bottom line was it all worked out. Personally, I've had some amazing results with choosing this attitude and speaking an affirmation such as this uh, to reinforce what I know to be true. Um, and, and that is when something is misplaced or lost or it seems like my good got waylaid or hijacked by someone else, I like to hold the thought and the attitude and the affirmation, what belongs to me by divine right cannot be lost or stolen. That which is mine by divine right is revealed or returned or its equivalent made manifest. This attitude, I tell you, is life-changing. When you know what is yours, has your name on it, and metaphorically has your name on it, and cannot be lost or stolen, no one else can hijack our good. Man's work is ever with himself, she said. That sometimes, and, and many of her uh folks who came to her to, for prayer and, and counseling, uh, they would ask uh, if she would pray that somebody else would change. And so that's a common thing, isn't it? Like if that person would just stop doing that, then I would be um, happy or I would be peaceful or I would be satisfied. <coughs> And Mrs. Shin could no more agree to that than, what, the most amazing thing in the world, you know? That's not what she taught or practiced. She taught our job is to change ourselves, not anyone else. And I like that reminder. Consider how difficult it is to change yourself, and then you'll understand how difficult it would be to change others. It's even more difficult. The serenity prayer, doesn't that basically say the same thing? You know, know the difference between what we can change and what we don't have the ability to change. And what, and what we can change, of course, is only ourselves. And it change, we always have the power to change our thoughts. That is one thing we do have the power to change. We may not have the power to change something about our physical appearance or our ethnicity, or our sex, or uh, gender, or whatever, our age. But we can change our thoughts about whatever it is, and that makes the difference. 
the reminder is that one is often cured of his faults by seeing them in others. That's interesting, isn't it? That often what we are seeing in others is really life mirroring back to us uh, what we, what's within us. In this third uh, section here, uh, she also speaks about the law of karma and the law of forgiveness. So, she begins with the thought, man receives only that which he gives. Now, we've said this before. The game of life is a game of boomerangs. And what we send out uh, returns and always knows where we are, always knows where we live, and knows where to find us. And so, our thoughts and our actions, our words, return to us sooner or later with accuracy. What we send out, the bread we cast on the water, as Scripture says, it returns to us. And sometimes we refer to that return as karma, which is a Sanskrit uh, uh, word for comeback. It's the same meaning as what we sow, we also reap. You know, it, sometimes it's like karma is this woo-woo thing. No, it's not. It's just similar to that. What we sow, we reap. People do so much nonsense. And then when the effect comes back, they blame others for their own nonsense. You know, we think about that. That's probably something we all do or have done. When we accept that we are responsible for our own nonsense, then we cease believing in bad luck and chance and and bad breaks and uh, stuff like that. We hear it said in many different ways, but in effect, I, I create my own reality. I, I create my experience and it just means that I have responsibility as to what shows up in my life because it's in my awareness and so my awareness always mirrors back to me responsibility and this is something I'm going to just be clear about responsibility doesn't mean blame or judgment it just means there is a cause and there is an effect that's at work. And we are in the loop. We are never outside the loop of that. A good example is knowing the principle of mathematics. If we don't know the principle, our calculations will be off. Not as punishment. We aren't being punished for our lack of knowledge. But once we know the principle and use it, work with it, then we begin to have the effects that come from knowledge. Mrs. Shin says in, in the book, Obedience precedes authority, and the law obeys man when he obeys the law. The law of electricity must be obeyed before it becomes man's servant. When handled ignorantly, it becomes man's deadly foe. So it is with the laws of mind.
the more we know friends the more responsibility we have and we can't get away from this the more we know the more we are responsible for that knowledge uh, this might be a, a new approach to some people but when one is of a higher level of consciousness a higher level of thinking and feeling and living then the return is quicker for them than it is for one who is ignorant of the principle. That makes sense to me because when, when we know more we have the tools to handle the return or the effects. When we have less knowledge it seems like I don't know it's almost as if there's like a little buffer uh, until we do know more. A person with knowledge of spiritual law which he does not practice suffers greatly in consequence. In other words we have a responsibility when we know better we must do better. When or if we realize we haven't lived up to our highest understanding then we must forgive ourselves so that we can go forward and not stay stuck in the regret. Mrs. Shen had suggested to someone who had misused their understanding to call on the law of forgiveness and neutralize the situation. Call on the law of forgiveness and neutralize the situation. I love that. And remember, Christianity was founded on the law of forgiveness. And so, with our understanding of this law, we have the power to move beyond our mistakes and being shackled to those mistakes. Jesus brought the good news that there's a higher activity of law. Sometimes we refer to that as forgiveness sometimes we refer to it as grace but it's the it's the reality of getting ourselves on a higher level of giving and receiving we're, we never we never get away from giving and receiving we never get away from the boomerang aspect of life but when we get ourselves on a higher level of giving start sending love start sending our best thoughts uh, to others then we're on that higher level to begin receiving and that's really what I think of as grace we're just giving and receiving on a higher level knowledge is not power but knowledge put into action is power. We've said this before, but knowing the truth or knowing about the rules of the game of life isn't enough. The results we desire only come from putting into practice what we know. In other words, truth works if we work it. Truth works if we work it. And when we work it, it is as if 
Miracle after miracle happens, and wonders never cease. I want to close with uh, a couple of the affirmations or affirmative thoughts, suggestions that um, we find in the in the book and in their teachings. Let's say, and this is a, a practice that any one of us can do. Take something that you may have been resisting. Could be something little, or it could be something uh, large. But begin with the thought, I do not resist this situation. I put it in the hands of infinite love and wisdom. Let the divine idea now come to pass. See, it's the non-resistance that lets the divine idea now flow in, now come to pass. Another thought is, fulfillment will be done this day. Today is a day of completion. I give thanks for this perfect day. Miracles shall follow miracle, and wonders shall never cease. Today is a day of completion. It doesn't mean that it's a bad completion, an ending of something. It's a completion of whatever it was that has taken place. And now we can give thanks for a perfect day. Give thanks that miracles, if you want to use that word, uh, become commonplace. They're they just show up all the time, being in the right place at the right time, having the a solution come, have having some awareness, some information, uh, perhaps a book, whatever, showing up at just the right time. And so we can say, miracle shall follow miracle, and wonders shall never cease. So the more we know the more responsibility we have. And so we want to keep that in mind that we you know we, we don't we can never go back to not knowing. What we know we are responsible for. And thank goodness we are not where we were at any other point. And we let ourselves off the hook. When I didn't know any better, I didn't do any better. But now that I know better I must do better because that's how the game of life works. All right, so this uh, con concludes the, the third part of our six-part series. Uh, if you do not have the book, The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Scovel Shin, I encourage you to get one. You can get a used copy or, you know, you can order one online or you can download a PDF uh, of the entire book if you go to truthunity.com truthunity.com and Mark Hicks has put together some wonderful um, information uh, such as this and many other uh, things from well-known teachers throughout uh, the New Thought Movement and uh, life-changing teachings there really encourage you to to take advantage of that wonderful resource, truthunity.com. And as I say, you can download a PDF of Game of Life and how to play it. 
All right, that is it for this time. Uh, be sure and check back for uh, our next sections. And in the meantime, know you are loved, you are deserving of all good. You absolutely are. Blessings. Bye for now.